Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about cardiovascular support. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash cardiovascular support or in the anaesthetics and ICU section of the Zero to Finals surgery book. So let's get straight into it. Let's start by talking about cardiac function. The overall cardiac function or cardiac output is the result of a combination of four things. Preload, afterload, contractility and heart rate. Preload is the amount that the heart muscle is stretched when filled with blood just before a contraction. You can think of preload as the load or the stretch in the ventricle pre-contraction. It's related to the volume of blood in the ventricle at the end of diastole, just before the ventricle contracts. Afterload is the resistance that the heart must overcome in order to eject blood from the left ventricle, through the aortic valve and into the aorta. You can think of afterload as being the load or the resistance after the aortic valve, how much resistance there is to pushing blood through the aortic valve. Common causes of a raised afterload are hypertension and aortic stenosis. Contractility refers to the strength of the heart muscle contraction. Heart rate is the number of heartbeats per minute. Systemic vascular resistance is the resistance in the systemic circulation that the heart must overcome in order to pump blood around the body. Stroke volume is the volume of blood ejected during each heartbeat. Cardiac output is the volume of blood ejected by the heart per minute and the formula for cardiac output is cardiac output equals stroke volume times heart rate. Mean arterial pressure or MAP is the average blood pressure throughout the entire cardiac cycle including both systole and diastole. Mean arterial pressure is a product of cardiac output and systemic vascular resistance. A low arterial pressure or a low blood pressure may be the result of a low cardiac output or a low systemic vascular resistance. An adequate mean arterial pressure is essential for tissue perfusion throughout the body. A low mean arterial pressure results in tissue hypoperfusion, leading to hypoxia, anaerobic respiration, lactate production and damage to the tissue. Let's talk about monitoring. Cardiac function can be monitored closely in the intensive care unit. The extent of monitoring depends on the individual patient and the clinical problems. Basic non-invasive monitoring includes the heart rate, peripheral blood pressure, pulse oximetry or oxygen saturations and continuous ECG monitoring. More intensive monitoring can involve invasive blood pressure monitoring via an arterial line which is a special cannula inserted into an artery arterial blood gas analysis taken from an arterial line, the central venous pressure via a central venous catheter in the vena cava or the right atrium, central venous oxygen saturation measured using blood samples from a central venous catheter, 
pulmonary wedge pressure, which is measured via a pulmonary artery catheter and indicates the left atrial pressure, although this is rarely done. The pulmonary artery oxygen saturation, measured via a pulmonary artery catheter, and this is also rarely done. And echocardiogram, either transesophageal or transthoracic, can be used for monitoring the heart function. It's useful to be able to monitor the cardiac output, and this can involve pulse contour cardiac output, which measures the cardiac output via a central venous catheter and a thermodilution arterial line, or by esophageal Doppler monitoring, which assesses the blood flow through the thoracic aorta to estimate the stroke volume and the cardiac output. Let's talk about fluid status. An important part of maintaining cardiac function is optimizing the fluid status. This is the first step before considering inotrope and vasopressor medications. A central venous pressure is often used to estimate the preload. In simple terms, it shows how much blood is available to fill the heart before a ventricular contraction. If the central venous pressure is low, the heart has less blood filling the ventricles to be used for each contraction. The central venous pressure helps to guide fluid resuscitation. Giving additional IV fluids helps to increase the central venous pressure, helping to fill the heart with blood during diastole. By increasing the central venous pressure, the preload and the stroke volume are improved, ultimately improving the cardiac output. Too much fluid can lead to fluid overload, creating congestion in the circulation. This results in congestive heart failure, pulmonary edema and increased mortality. Therefore, fluid balance needs to be carefully monitored and optimised. Next let's talk about inotropes. Inotropes are medications that alter the contractility of the heart. Positive inotropes act to increase the contractility of the heart. This increases the cardiac output and the mean arterial pressure. Positive inotropes are used in patients with a low cardiac output, for example patients with heart failure, recent myocardial infarction or following heart surgery. Most positive inotropes are catecholamines. Catecholamines stimulate the sympathetic nervous system via alpha and beta adrenergic receptors. Examples of positive inotropes that are catecholamines are adrenaline, dobutamine, isoprenaline, noradrenaline, which is a weak inotrope and mostly a vasopressor, and dopamine, which is not an inotrope at lower infusion rates. Milrinone is a positive inotrope that works as a phosphodiesterase 3 inhibitor. Levosimendan is another positive inotrope that works by increasing the heart muscle's sensitivity to calcium. Positive inotropes are given through a central venous catheter. They're only used where patients can be closely monitored, for example on ICU. Doses are titrated in response to changes in the patient's clinical condition, their mean arterial pressure, their central venous pressure and their cardiac output.
Negative inotropes act to reduce the contractility of the heart. Examples are beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, and flecainide. Next, let's talk about vasopressors. Vasopressors are medications that cause vasoconstriction or narrowing of blood vessels. This increases the systemic vascular resistance and consequently increases the mean arterial pressure or the MAP. Vasopressors are commonly used by anaesthetists as a bolus dose or in the intensive care unit as an infusion to improve the patient's blood pressure and therefore their tissue perfusion. Severe sepsis is a common example of a condition where vasopressors may be used. Some common examples of vasopressors are noradrenaline, which is given as an infusion via a central line, vasopressin, which is given as an infusion via a central line, adrenaline, which is given as an infusion via a central line or as a bolus in an emergency, metaraminol, which can be given as a bolus or an infusion, ephedrine, which can be given as a bolus, and phenylephedrine, which can be given as a bolus or an infusion. Vasopressin is antidiuretic hormone, or ADH. Vasopressin acts as a vasopressor by causing contraction of smooth muscle in blood vessels. It also stimulates water reabsorption from the collecting ducts in the kidneys. Next, let's talk about antimuscarinic medications. Glycopyronium is an antimuscarinic medication that's used to treat bradycardia or a slow heart rate, often during operations. Antimuscarinic medications work by blocking acetylcholine receptors. Atropine is another antimuscarinic medication that's used to treat bradycardia. Finally, let's talk about intraaortic balloon pumps. An intraaortic balloon pump is a device used in a number of cardiac conditions, such as cardiogenic shock, acute coronary syndrome with unstable angina or myocardial infarction, and immediately following heart surgery. An intraaortic balloon pump is a temporary measure used to support cardiac function while the underlying condition is managed. A catheter is inserted into the arterial system, usually via the femoral artery, up to the descending thoracic aorta. At the tip of the catheter is an inflatable balloon. The balloon is intermittently inflated and deflated by a special machine synchronised to the heart contractions. Helium is used to inflate the balloon. During diastole, when the heart is relaxing, the balloon is inflated. This pushes blood backwards into the coronary arteries, improving coronary perfusion. During systole, when the heart is contracting, the balloon is deflated. Deflating the balloon creates a vacuum effect as empty space is created that the balloon was previously filling. This reduces the afterload and increases the cardiac output. In summary, an intraaortic balloon pump increases the coronary blood flow, reduces the afterload and increases the cardiac output. So thanks for listening to this episode on cardiovascular support. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. 
and I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about renal support.